the song of Christmas. Luke chapter 2 and verse 13 puts it this way. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. The song of Christmas. I remember some years ago I mentioned the idea that the angels sang. And after the service that day, as has happened several times since, someone uh, came up to me and pointed out that the text said, the angels said, not that they sang. Okay. All right. Uh, so I tried to picture that scene as a kind of a mass recital, maybe a heavenly angelic rap. <laughs> uh, it just didn't fit. I couldn't make it happen. Um, then I thought of how a wife or a husband long separated who described that joyous sound, Honey, I'm home, as being music to my ears, or the sound of that newborn baby crying. Oh, I heard that cry, and it was... Music to my ears. It wouldn't be long before it wouldn't be music to your ears. It uh, awakens you many a time in the middle of the night. The angels said, but the, uh, the Bible also says they were praising God, praising God. And the idea of praise is closely tied to singing throughout the scripture, but not always so. We can sing our praises, but we can say them too, and I'm glad we can. I used to think that everybody in the world could sing. I found out over the years that that's not the truth. Some people can't sing. But you can say. It came upon a midnight clear, that glorious song of old, from angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of cold. Peace on the earth, goodwill to men from heaven's all-gracious king. The world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing. Still through the cloven skies they come with peaceful wings unfurled, and still their heavenly music floats o'er all the weary world. Above its sad and lonely plains they bend on hovering wing, and ever o'er its babble sounds the blessed angels sing. Yet with the woes of sin and strife, the world has suffered long. Beneath the angels' strain have rolled 2,000 years of wrong. And man at war with man hears not the love song which they bring. Oh, hush the noise, ye men of strife, and hear the angels sing. And ye beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow, look now, for glad and golden hours come swiftly on the ring. Oh, rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. For lo, the days are hastening on by prophets' bands foretold. When with the ever-circling years comes round the age of gold, when peace shall over all the earth its ancient splendors fling, and the whole world give back the song 
which now the angels sing. It came upon the midnight clear was a poem written in 1849 by Edmund Sears. Whether spoken as a poem or sang with the tune, the message is still the same. The angels praised. The angels said, which, either way, the message is the same. And we're going to spend our time today looking at this angelic message. Only the first line today, there's three stanzas. We'll see the other two tonight, and I hope you'll be able to come back tonight. If you can't, uh, maybe you can watch the video later. Uh, Faith at Five. Glory to God in the highest, verse 14. And on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Glory to God in the highest. The word glory is translated from the Greek word doxa. It's the word our word doxology comes from. And it means to praise or to extol, uh, to honor or to worship. To say glory to God in the highest is an ancient form of praise. And the subject of many songs and the passages from the Psalms, the Old Testament hymn book. Psalm 7 and verse 17, I will praise the Lord according to His righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Psalm 9 and 2, I will be glad and rejoice in Thee. I will sing praise to Thy name, O Thou Most High. One of my personal favorites is Psalm 71, verse 17, O God, You have taught me from my youth, and to this day, I declare your wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. Also your righteousness, O oh God, is very high. You have done great things. O oh God, who is like you? No one. God occupies a place unparalleled. No created thing can rival His majesty. But we don't miss the message because at the precise moment that the angels were filling up the hills of Bethlehem with that sound, glory to God in the highest, the Most High God was wrapped in strips of cloth, swaddling clothes, and lying in a manger in a barn, a stable. Three basic quick things I want to say about this this morning. A thousand voices with a thousand years could not tell all of the story. First of all, we need to Always maintain a concept, never lose sight of the mystery of this moment. The great intellect, the scholar, the apostle to the Gentiles, Paul of Tarsus, wrote to his young protege, Timothy, after a lifetime of teaching and revelation. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, for God was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. God was manifest in the flesh. 
Because of the truth of the, of the Trinity, we know that God the Father was enthroned on high, that God the Holy Spirit was doing what the Spirit always does, manifesting in His omnipotence and omnipotence, the presence and the power of God. And yet all of the glory of the Godhead dwelled in Jesus Christ bodily. God was manifest in the flesh. How could this be? I don't have a clue. But I believe every bit of it. God was in Christ. God manifest in the flesh. The mystery. Then there's the magnitude. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 is the classic passage to remind us of this. Let this mind be in you, Paul said, who which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The magnitude. Who being in the form of God, thought it not a thing to be sought after, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was. He was. And yet he emptied himself, not of his deity, but of the display of his deity, without ever ceasing to be God. He humbled himself. And the extent of that is unfathomable. The mystery, the magnitude, most importantly, the motive. Why? Why? Trying to figure out why people do what they do is one of the great mysteries of our life. Why we even try to figure out what we do, what we do. We can't explain all that. But God did not leave us to wonder why He did what He did. He knew exactly why He did it. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, Paul said this, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he added this little footnote in there, of whom I am chief. We've seen earlier that this was part of that same book that Paul wrote to that same Timothy. Uh, it tells us of the motive of Jesus Christ. He came to save sinners. But I think we can all identify with the feeling of the Apostle Paul. And in fact, some of us might even challenge Paul's concept. Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. We'd all say, Paul, you never had me. I think I, I deserve that title more than you. And maybe we all do. But Paul claimed that title for himself. I am the chief of sinners. 
Notice what he also said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 9. I am the least of the apostles. And just so he didn't leave it there, he went on in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints. I'm the less of the least. The least of the apostles chief of sinners. I think we can identify with Paul's feelings. Woven into that story, the story of the man who was the chief of sinners, the least of the apostles, and the least among all of God's people, the less of the least of all believers who are the saints. Woven into that story is the motive of Christmas. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's the invitation this cantata is giving. It's the invitation that Brother Brian alluded to a moment ago. It is the invitation that Jesus Christ is giving us. It is the invitation that is the whole message lying there in the manger. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Glory to God, the angels said. In the highest. Glory to God, the angels sang. In the highest. Glory to God, most high sang or spoken. The important thing for you and I is to say it or sing it, to share it, to experience it for ourselves. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you received Him? If not, when you celebrate Christmas, you celebrate someone else's day. Because if you don't know Jesus Christ, really, Christmas doesn't apply to you. The message of the manger is that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You say, well, Brother Rich, I, I've, I've messed up. Hey, man, I've, I've gone a long way from anywhere where I should have ever been. Join the club. Join the club. The Bible, you see, says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone aside to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him. That's Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. If you're a sinner today, and you are, I want you to know that Jesus Christ longs to be your Savior. But he'll only do that if you receive him. As many as received him, John the Apostle told us, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on His name. We do that when we recognize that we're far from where we need to be, but that Jesus Christ died to save sinners like me. Believe on Him. He didn't stay dead. He was buried and He rose again the third day, guaranteeing that He has the power, the power of life over death. Would you receive him today? There's been an empty place in your heart for a long time. You've been looking for a long time to find what will fill it. 
Today is the time that you said yes to Jesus Christ. Let's stand together, please.